says, Lord, if you can do anything with my life, I'll give it to you. I've done everything else the world has to offer. I did everything the world had. I had the fancy cars, the fancy clothes. I had the gangs, the clubs, the popularity. And I gave my life to the Lord that night. And my life turned around and my friends who were also in prison and in gangs, they did the same thing. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. Louis Rosado is founder of Medical Mission Adventures, and he's here with us today from the Los Angeles area. Actually, he's by phone. Unfortunately, he's not in the studio with us, but he is definitely, as they say on his website, out to help a hurting world. So welcome, Louis, to Charisma Connection. Thank you for having me. Well, it's wonderful to have you today, and I know that you have quite a personal story. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but uh, first, let's tell people about Medical Mission Adventures. You're out setting up medical clinics uh, around the world. I understand you've done some around Hurricane Katrina and the Haiti earthquake. Uh, you're an active member of the Red Cross, and you used to be a respiratory therapist at a hospital in Burbank, California. Isn't that right, Louie? Yes, it is. Um, we have done clinic. We were in Japan for the earthquake twice. Mm. We were, like you said, Hurricane Katrina, Haiti during the earthquake. We're presently working with Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas. We've been to when the war with uh, Israel and uh, the Hezbollah. Mm. We, I was in Beirut, Lebanon, uh, Sri Lanka for the tsunami. In Sri Lanka, we saw 11,000 patients in eight days. So we originally started doing uh, clinics around the world. That's why all our portable equipment is all portable. Uh, we, uh, we were at Hurricane Katrina, and I was running four clinics in four different cities. So I was constantly driving around looking for supplies, looking for a way to have everything there, my pharmacy, workers, food. And so that's where I got the idea of making a bus. So I have a 40-foot bus that has everything. And we could do medical, dental, optical, pharmaceutical out of the bus. We also have a 26-foot toy hauler that's a dental trailer with five stations. We also have all the optical equipment. We have a full pharmacy. And... Uh, so we do locally around Southern California 25 clinics a year, and we do disaster relief, plus we get invited to different locations around the world. For example, I was in Puerto Rico last year for Hurricane Maria, and now we've been invited to do a clinic there uh, next year, and also to Cuba. We've been working in Cuba for the past 10, 15 years. And so we've been invited the possibility of doing a clinic in Cuba. Well, you sound very, very busy and going all around the world. But it seems like you have a, a relatively small team, so you must be using a lot of um, medical staff or volunteers. Is that right? Yes. We have 
over 300 volunteers, medical, dental, optical, and nursing volunteers, who have been traveling with us and in our ministry for the past 20 years. Uh, on staff, actually, I have uh, five or six people that are consistent with helping me uh, set up, tear down, run the office. And uh, then we email all our volunteers, tell them what we're doing, and then they sign up. And out of the 300, 350, we only can accept 30 or 40 at a time. And that's how we run our international clinics. Usually on our local clinics, we have anywhere from 60 to 70 volunteers at any given time. We minister in shelters, in churches, YMCA. Uh, we get a lot of invites every year, so many that we're already booked for 2020. I see. And uh, your wife, Barbara, works with you, right? Uh, that sounds like a good partnership. Yes. My wife, Barbara, we have been together for 41 years. Hmm. And uh, we met in the mission field. And uh, we've been working together ever since. She runs the office with another staff member. And I do the outside details that have to be done with the outreach and ministry and setting up and getting ready for our clinics. Well, that is that is a good uh, way of uh, dividing the responsibilities and the roles according to your own skills. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how you actually got all of this started. I mean, what what was it that burdened you um, and drove you to do something after Hurricane Katrina, I understand? Well, we had been uh, doing international trips through my church. Mm -hmm. And when we when Hurricane Katrina hit, we uh, I was doing a running four clinics there in four different cities. And I said, I need to build something that I could take anywhere I go so we are ready to do clinics wherever. Um, you know, for a long time, when I was first got saved, I used to do evangelism one-on-one. -on -one. And because I met the Lord in the streets, I, it was normal for me to be in the streets. Mm -hmm. So I did evangelism one-on-one. -on -one. And then when we when we got married in 1983, uh, the Lord closed all the doors for about 15 years. I went back to medical school, bought a house. We had our two children, minding our own business, living the eight to five. And then uh, my church wanted to do a medical clinic to Tajikistan, and they had no supplies, no medicines, and they, uh, I said, give me a list and I'll see what I can do. <clears throat> so they gave me a long list and I was able to obtain everything. I was calling major pharmaceutical companies all across the United States and getting their paperwork for donations. And it was natural. I didn't see any problem with it. But the church was amazed that I was able to do this. They wanted to know how I did it because they couldn't do it. And our church, of course, is 11,000 people. So my wife and I were 
in the kitchen table reading the Bible, and the Lord said, stir up the gift that is in you. Your latter years will be greater than your former years. And I understood that because when I was witnessing at first one-on-one, now I get to speak to 100 people, 1,000 people, 50,000 people, and uh, we, we get to share the good news of the gospel with a lot of people by, and also providing a tangible way of taking care of them. We love on them, and uh, they know we're not there to put them down. Everything is free. We give them everything. We ask for nothing in return. And it's a tangible way of witnessing to the world and sharing the love of Jesus. I mean, Sri Lanka alone, we saw 11,000 patients. Armenia, we saw 3,500 patients. In uh, Central America and Costa Rica, we saw 600 patients per day. And uh, so that's my my heart. I have a gift of faith. Mm-hmm. The gift of I evangelism. can see that. The gift of faith, you don't analyze things or how you're going to make it happen. When I started this ministry, I didn't have a dime. I didn't have a penny. Hmm. And the first bill came for $35,000. That was the first bill for building the bus. We, we got the largest school bus you can find, gutted it out, and converted into three medical stations with a full pharmacy, refrigerator, freezer, bathroom, bed, everything required to make make it serviceable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't have a dime when I started it, and I didn't know I was starting anything so big. You know, faith just believes God and does things. And so uh, I ordered this bus, and about two weeks later, I got a check from my denomination, uh, Four Square Church, for $35,000, which is what I needed. Amazing. But here's the interesting part is, after that, it required another 15000 and I didn't have it. So I was taking care of a patient at the hospital. I was I worked in the intensive care unit, and I was taking care of her, and her name was Mrs. Kellogg, but I didn't, you know, to me it was just the last name. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks after taking care of her, as I was sharing with her what I was doing, I got a check from her, and it said, the letter enclosed said, I didn't know there were still people like you on this earth. I hope this helps from the Kellogg Foundation. Oh, it was wonderful. $15,000 from the Kellogg Foundation. <laughs> so we... Uh, you know, we do by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, they that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so I function by faith. I tell God daily, every day, this is your ministry, God. I don't have to do anything, and I know you're not impressed with my works. You're not impressed with anything I do. I do this because I love you and because it's the only way I can, I can serve. You know, sometimes you'll find me in an alley talking to the homeless people. I am very comfortable in an alley talking to the homeless people. Hmm. Uh, It's a very comfortable place. They know we love them. They know I accept them, and they can sense it. And I know what they're sensing is the Lord, the Holy Spirit in me. 
Well, Louie, you mentioned that you met the Lord while you were on the streets. Could you tell us something of your testimony? Yes. Uh, I grew up in the streets of New York City and L.A. In New York City, I lived in downtown Lower East Side in the projects. We had a drug dealer in every corner. And uh, same thing in L.A. I lived in downtown L.A. where the gangs originally started. So being eight years old, which is about when I started, um, I it was normal for me to gravitate to these kind of people. So uh, there was one gang in L.A., for instance, that was started back in 1926, and that happened to be right in my neighborhood. So whenever they would ask me what, what gang was I for, out of fear, I would say, I'm for you guys. And within four blocks away, there was another gang, which is one of the largest gangs in the world today, and it's called 18th Street. And I was there when it started in the 60s. And so, you know, my friends are were people like, uh, you can find them on YouTube, Big D, Don Garcia. He was uh, one of the founders of the Mexican Mafia. Hmm. Uh, Art Blajos, he was the hitman for the Mexican Mafia. All these guys are now saved, and we work together. Benny the Jet Yukitas, retired, undefeated kickboxing champion of the world. He brought kickboxing to the United States. And his sister, Lillian Rodriguez, was uh, the first woman kickboxing champion of the world. And so we had all these people combined who got saved received the Lord and uh, you know I joined the military in 1971 Vietnam era because I had been in prison twice and I was a heroin addict and uh, I knew my third strike I would be put away for a long time so to avoid the third strike I joined the military they needed a lot of people for Vietnam at the time so it was in the military that man told me one Friday night, God loves me. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I know that God loves me. I know he doesn't want me doing what I'm doing. I mean, I'm on heroin, I'm on drugs, I'm on everything possible. You know, I know he doesn't want me doing what I'm doing. So I was in New York City at the time. And back in those days, it was a very dirty city. It was the 70s. And... uh you know, I enjoyed, I had a lot of fancy clothes when I was, because I was very popular. I was a leader of a gang. Mm-hmm. And actually, we called them car club in the early 70s. Car club. Uh, car clubs, yes. Okay, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> yeah, we had fancy cars. Hmm. And uh, I knew about the Lord but I also had fancy clothes, and, and somebody gave me a Bible once. A uh, chaplain, when I was in the military, gave me a Bible. And as I'm reading this Bible, I'm reading about Jesus talking to the drunks, the prostitutes. He's eating with them. And the Pharisees say if he knew what kind of people they were, he wouldn't be with them. Mm-hmm. And, and so in my mind, I picture Jesus being so comfortable in himself 
that he probably wore Levi's in a T-shirt. <laughs> you know, he was just himself, smiling, talking to these people, accepting them where they were at. That impressed me because I had fancy clothes, the latest styles. Um, and I, because I was, I used to dance on television as well. But um, the interesting thing was that I, I kept reading. Remember one guy, so uh, a drug dealer, parked his car in the street and he was coming at me and I was going to stab him. I was going to kill him there. And so I had a uh, knife in my back pocket. It's a switchblade. And I was going to kill him right there on the spot. But then I asked myself, what would Jesus say? And so as he approached me and he came right to my face, I told him, instead of killing him, <clears throat> I said, $300 in my pocket. Why don't I give you 150 this week and 150 next week, and that'll solve our differences? He just said, okay. So I was seeing that the way Jesus would handle situations is the way it was working. So I'm in New York City now. I was still reading the Bible, but still doing my own thing. Now I'm in New York City, and I go to get a slice of pizza in the avenues, what we called the avenues back then. And the Holy Spirit just came so heavy on me and says, you like reading my word, but you still like doing your own thing. You mm -hmm. need to choose. You mm -hmm. need to choose. So I ran, I, I lived with my grandma in the projects on the sixth floor, and I went to the projects, and I went upstairs, and I jumped on her bed. And I says, Lord, if you can do anything with my life, I'll give it to you. I've done everything else the world has to offer. I did everything the world had. I had the fancy cars, the fancy clothes. I had the gangs, the clubs, the popularity. And I gave my life to the Lord that night. And my life turned around. And my friends, who were also in prison and in gangs, they did the same thing. And uh, that's how, to this day, we still work together. We have a tattoo removal center also. And the community knows who we are. They know our past. They know we don't condemn them for where they're at. And so they accept us and we accept them. So we have a very big uh, tattoo removal center where we remove tattoos every month. So I received the Lord and... Uh, and then for two years overseas, I was growing in the Lord and traveling through different countries in Europe because I was stationed in Europe for two years. And that's how my ministry of evangelism began. Then again, when I came back, I went to uh, medical school, become a respiratory therapist. And then the Lord called us again into ministry, and we've been serving ever since. Well, it's pretty amazing how the Holy Spirit just basically came to you and said, choose one or the other, choose life. And that's that's how it is in the scripture too. choose life. And you, you made the right choice. And yes. apparently your friends made the right choice, too. Yes. You know, I was almost dead at 22 years old. I was mm. weighing about 50 pounds less than I do today. My hair was falling off. My eyes were sunken in because when you're on heroin, you can't eat. Mm -hmm. So I was almost dead at 22 years old. Today I'm 69, and doctor says I'm healthy as a horse. Mm 
<laughs> you know, and I have kids and I have six granddaughters. I am blessed. Yes, am you are. Blessed. So I how old God. were you when you got saved? I was 22 years old when I got saved. You were saved. 22, okay. And I was almost dead. And uh, to this day, we still travel. We still do the same thing. As a matter of fact, I have a clinic this Saturday. And I'll be on the road at 6 in the morning to get there at 7 to set up and start by 8.30. And, you know, uh, our ministry, anyone in ministry knows you're going to be tested Mm -hmm. because the Lord wants you to always rely on him. Now, our clinics all pay for themselves, but the overhead doesn't get paid because nobody sees what we do behind the scenes. They don't see us in the office five days a week, eight hours a day. So uh, our overhead is our big issue. So it makes us be on our knees a lot and pray and believe God. Uh, Anyone who's in ministry knows that you're going to get attacked with finances. You're going to get attacked with doubt. You're going to get attacked with everything you do. And every time I get attacked, somebody else calls me and offers me something. Mm. and lets me know that we're on the right road. Well, it's important to always remember what the Lord has done in the past, isn't it? How they set up memorial stones in the Old Testament and said, this is what God did then, and we need to remember that because God is still faithful today, and you've experienced his faithfulness. Yes, I have, time and time again. Every year I experience it. There are times when we are, uh, how can I say, on on bread and water. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, God is faithful, you know. You know, like, like a man told me once, I once was young, now I'm old. Never once have I seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. Mm-hmm. And then he said, and I ain't missed a meal yet. <laughs> <laughs> He was old at the time, and I was very young, but I remember what he told me. And, uh, you know, now we're also assistant pastors of a church. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we're already scheduled for 2020. Well, There's God no... continues to use you, that's for sure. And, and And it's called Medical Mission Adventures. I think if people want to learn more about you, they should go to your website, which I understand yes. is mmadventures.org. Isn't that right? Exactly. MM, like Mary Mary. And you have uh, some information on there if people want to give or if people want to volunteer in particular roles with your ministry? We have uh, donation buttons. People can donate. We also have our schedule for the year where we'll be Good. We also, you can also download an application if you want to serve it somewhere, mm-hmm. um, especially when we do our international clinics next year, we will be advertising it. Somebody may not have the time to serve every week, but they want to take a week or two vacation to serve and do some good for humanity. Mm. And uh, that's when we, we advertise our international trips, and they can freely join. And uh, anybody locally here in the Southern California area or anywhere that wants to participate, or if they want me to go speak at their church, mm-hmm. I was just in Houston two weeks ago, 
And what we have is an outline of how to start a mobile medical ministry. I was so just you're counseling trying to somebody. multiply this. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, we want to multiply because we realize we can't do it alone. Yes, so I get requests from Houston, Mississippi, all over. I get requests, and we partner with other ministries. We don't work alone. We partner with other ministries across the nation. And we work together as a team, especially during disaster relief. Mm-hmm. We partner with, for example, Crisis Response International, Somebody Cares, mm-hmm. uh, Samaritan's Purse. And uh, we all work together. For example, the fire up north mm-hmm. that was just here last year. We all work together, the Billy Graham Association, Samaritan's Purse, Crisis Response International, and us. It was a big fire in paradise where the whole city was destroyed. Yes, I remember seeing that on the news. People had 45 minutes to evacuate. Mm -hmm. They evacuated the whole city in 45 minutes. (laughs) That is amazing. And they they really needed uh, medical mission adventures. They really needed you. They really needed those who would come in and provide disaster relief during that time. Well, yes, I just we, want to uh, to to finish up here, Louie, by by saying that people can go to your website for any information that they need. I'm sure they can connect with you there. Uh, so that's mmadventures.org. And I sure thank you today for sharing your personal story as well as the story of your mission, medical mission adventures. We we certainly appreciate what you're doing out there locally in California and then around the world. Well, thank you for having me. Feel free to call me anytime. And I go to Florida uh, once or twice a year, Hmm. right near where you're at, Lake Mary. Uh Uh, A friend of mine has a church there. And uh, feel free to call us anytime. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us, listeners, for this visit on Charisma Connection with Medical Missions Adventures founder, Louis Rosado. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.